Just a couple throws that he'd like to have back. Kevin Stefanski's going for the knockout punch, fourth in inches. Good evening and welcome to the fourth in inches podcast with your hosts, Stuart Love, Sukti Puni, Ryan Edwardson, and Alex Grazier. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another season of the 4th and Inches podcast. Football is back, so are we. My name is Ryan Edwardson, and I just want to thank you all for joining us, whether this is your first, third, or 50th time listening to this podcast. We do appreciate every single one of you. We're here, of course, to talk about all of the games in week one of the 2021 NFL season, and joining me to do so is my two good footballing friends, Sukdeep Puni and Alex Grazier. Suk, Alex, how are we doing? I'm okay. God bless those people who have listened to 50 or more of our podcasts. <laughs> I don't think I've listened to <laughs> I don't think I have. <laughs> Alex, how are you doing? Yeah. Just excited the football season is back. Excited to talk about it. Um, we've got another 16 games to go. Yeah. And the playoffs, don't forget. You know, just because you weren't in them last year, you know, they, they're still there, Alex. It's fine. Um. <laughs> I mean, what a week that was i mean i would encourage people to go back and listen to the couple of the preview shows that we did but i'm quite scared about how this week might have completely blown out most of the statements that i put out there on those those few episodes <laughs> so that's football, isn't it well it, exactly especially week one you never really know what to what to go with and i mean mm. we may as well jump straight in sigdeep your your world champion Buccaneers opened up proceedings on Thursday night, beating the Cowboys at the death. How did you find that season opener? Um, well, it was a Thursday night, so it was very tough to start with. But um, no, it was uh, it was kind of reminiscent of what I thought the books would do. Um, I think in the pod last week, I did say it'd be a very close game and that I was kind of 50-50 on who would win this game. Because... I go back to last year with the books, you know, they played, you know, teams like the Rams, the Bears and came unstuck and we struggled against other teams like, you know, the Giants and Washington. So there's always a chance, especially the opening game that you're going to struggle. Um, in terms of this particular game, um, both teams, you know, in the first quarter started off with, you know, pretty much pointless drives. Um Credit to Bradley Pinion, though, with his punting skills, getting it on the two-yard line. Um, in the second drive, uh, Bucks found their rhythm a bit. Brady uh, found Gronk. Um, and then a huge throw to Antonio Brown. Um, twice in succession, build up a good play. And then we took an early lead, uh, first and goal. Uh, Brady to Godwin. Um, great run to the right and then ran back straight into the middle to make it 7-0. Cowboys came back with Dak Prescott um, finding C.D. Lamb uh, for the touchdown. And unfortunately, during that time, uh, we had an injury to uh, one of our corners, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, who's dislocated his elbow. So he's on IR. Um, that's a massive miss for the Bucs. Um, the second quarter, uh, Brady once again um, made a great play finding Godwin uh, near the 20-yard line. And then once again, reminiscent of what we had last season. Brady finds Gronk, second goal, touchdown, 14-7. Uh, 
Um, at this point, then the Cowboys really, really were quite strong on offense. Um, obviously, after losing Murphy Bunting, um, they were literally just taking the mick out of Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean just looked like a, a deer in headlights. Like he had literally nowhere where he could pick anyone up, and whenever he was getting close, he was you know causing penalties. Um, luckily, the drive only resulted in a field goal. And then, unfortunately, when it's 14-10, you know, you think the books are going to obviously go on the ascendancy. Ronald Jones, unfortunately, um, had a run which was punched out, um, something that was a problem for him last year, and it's becoming an issue this year as well. Yeah, he struggled uh, with that a little bit, hasn't he? Yeah, so a bit frustrating. Um, Prescott then obviously had the ascendancy under pressure, Um Finds Cooper for an amazing touchdown. Um, I, I was really impressed with um, Prescott there because he actually dropped the snap. And rather than sort of be concerned about dropping the snap, he literally just picked the ball up, threw it to Amari Cooper as if nothing had happened. Um, unfortunately for the Cowboys, they missed the extra point. Um, then the Bucks came back in midfield. Uh, Brady finding Antonio Brown again. Um, this was one of Antonio Brown's better games and it was a quieter game for Mike Evans who had a couple of drop catches but in all honesty when you have a team like the Bucks and you've got so many weapons you can afford to have an off day so I think you'll find uh, this is kind of you know quite common where the receivers won't have a good game um, Cowboys then uh, well 21-16 not Cowboys missed a 60 odd field goal which at the end of the day you know you're never going to really get um End of the half, Brady tries to go for the Hail Mary to try and, you know, give us a bit more of a um, lead. That was intercepted and a bit of a scary moment, to be honest, because the Cowboys came back, um, managed to get to the Bucks' 40-yard line, and I honestly thought that they were going to run it back in for the touchdown. So it's not something you don't want to see, really, uh, before halftime. Um, Cowboys then obviously come back. They get the early field goal in the third quarter. Um, Bucks again don't do anything in the next drive. Um, the Cowboys' next drive then is intercepted by Colton Davis, who for me is a bit of a, a bit of a hot and cold player for, for us. Um, wasn't really Dak's fault, to be honest. It kind of slipped through CeeDee Lamb's hands and went straight to Colton Davis. The Bucks then take a comfortable lead. Um, you, know, you know, Brady found Gronk, you know, despite all the pressure he was under. Um, Gronk, Literally one of the slowest runs you'll ever find for a touchdown. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> literally, he was just hopping. It just reminded me of the Super Bowl. Literally, just hopping, like hopping his way to the touchdown, wading through mud. Exactly, it was hilarious to watch, and that that made it twenty eight nineteen. But then Cowboys straight away come back, and it's twenty eight twenty six. Amari Cooper had a monster game, um, and Prescott again finding Amari Cooper with Gallup being injured. Now you think. Cooper and Lamb are going to have, you know, really productive seasons. Um, so we're going to the fourth quarter, 28-26. The Bucks have possession, nine minutes to play. The momentum's with the Bucks, So the Bucks bring it down to the 14-yard line. Um, and Brady finds Godwin. Godwin gets a bit excited and thinks, I'm going to make the spin move and try and get the touchdown. Instead, he gets hit and then loses the ball. Um, and we lose possession. Uh, Cowboys then... Used the clock well um, and eventually used up quite a lot of the time to make it 
29-28 with one twenty-four to go. Most quarterbacks at that point, you think, you know, the game's over. But obviously when you've got Tom Brady, there's every chance, isn't there? And uh, yeah, he, he used a lot of short route passes to Giovanni Bernard. Um, and I think there was a penalty at one point as well, which we had to use a timeout on. Uh, instead of getting the 10-second runoff, I think that was a vital, vital um, decision there by Bruce Arians. Um, and then Brady found Gronk at the 42-yard line and then had a massive play with 18 seconds to go. Uh, Godwin making amends for that earlier mishap. And then we get the field goal win at the end. So, yeah, absolutely you know, relieved to win that. In terms of hot takes, I think, the books have shown resilience here, whereas last year I think we would have lost this sort of game, if I'm being honest, even though we won the Super Bowl, as daft as it sounds. Um, no pressure on Dak Prescott by a def- defensive line. You know, it was it was not the best performance on the defensive line, which is expected to do a lot better. Concerns about the secondary, for sure, from a Bucks perspective, especially losing Sean Murphy Bunting now. Uh, we have signed Pierre Desir now for the season, but, you know, is that going to be enough? I think there is a few worries from a Cowboys perspective. Offense looked great. The passing game was great. Ezekiel Elliott had a quiet game, but then again, when you got run stuffers like Vita Vea, you know, etc., you are gonna potentially not have the best game. So overall, happy with the win because, quite frankly, I was fifty-fifty on this matchup. Yeah, you were. Yeah. To be fair, you very, you very much were. Was there anything from the the Cowboys that really stood out as as worrying for you in terms of them? Is it still that they need to fix that pretty porous secondary or did they have a decent game just up against Brady and four Um, wide receivers? I think Trevon Diggs did struggle a bit, to be honest. Um, I saw parallels to what he was doing last season. But in all honesty, I think the Cowboys' offense is going to score a lot of points. um, And I think they'll be okay overall. The defense does need work. Um, There was... There was a bit of pressure on Brady, but obviously not not sort of too much in that sense. I think they're going to play against weaker opposition mm. and I'm sure they'll do a lot better. So for me, it's too early to say whether or not the defence is a worrisome, but when you've got an offence with Prescott, Lamb, Elliott, you know, Cooper, you're going to... And, and that offensive line as well. Um, and don't forget, they also had Zach Martin out. So yeah, they're only going to be they're only going to be better. Well, yeah, I think we might expect a few boat races down in Dallas. Anything that you wanted to highlight from this one, Alex? Um, no, I, I just think both offences were electric. That before coming in, I think it was a question of how, how which offence would be <clears> the best. And I think, obviously, because the Buccaneers have such a great defence that um, also helped them. I think it's a bit, mate, you can't really, you can't really assess to extent the Cowboys defense you know going against the offense like the Buccaneers mm. with Mike Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown like you mentioned Gronkowski those are real great weapons but at the end of the day it's a nice offense to really test your defense to and a lot of points I think there's I think they have improved if I'm being totally honest but mm. to the extent they've improved I think um, we're yet to see as the season goes ahead but I love both offenses that game electric game yeah, I mean, there was obviously they got a couple of interceptions, but one of them obviously was a Hail Mary play. So, really, do you really count that one? Do you know what I mean? But yeah. they, they they didn't they, they didn't get any sacks in the game, which I think will be something that um, you know does 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 worry them. Uh, but 
the Bucks offensive line, you know, um, is no joke either. Now the whole Buccaneers outfit seems not to be a joke. Coming out, getting 1-0 in the first game of the season. You know who else is 1-0 suck deep? It's the Seahawks. That's right, my Seahawks. I'm so confident. I'm not confident at all about us, but I'm much more confident about after watching this game, Seahawks 28, Colts 16. Overall, when I was watching it, it was it was not on the same level as you know Bucks Cowboys. It was pretty unspectacular in terms of a spectacle, but there were a couple of spectacular moments that really decided how the Seahawks took apart the Colts, and it was just the Seahawks looked so much more incisive and explosive, and that's really what propelled them to victory. The Colts were a little bit sluggish, and they were getting you know two or three yards throws into the backfield quite a lot. Like the first, their first drive was obviously really well constructed. I think that was something that Frank Reich really does very well. And they were obviously looking to kind of keep Russell Wilson off the field. Their first drive took eight minutes off the clock. But as we've seen from the Seahawks last year, they're very much kind of a bend don't break type defense. They'll give you the yards, but they're going to stop you from getting in the end zone. And you know they only managed to get a field goal from that first drive. There's so lots of dump offs and short passes. Not too many throws downfield. Um, I mean, in the entire game, Jonathan Taylor was the Colts' leading receiver with six mm. for sixty yards. I think that says everything about how that offense. You know, maybe because Wentz has been out for so long, they've not really figured themselves out in terms of being an offensive powerhouse. But again, like who who are your other receiving options? Zach Pascal was basically the 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 only guy to catch a, a couple of passes downfield. Mm. So something to look into for Wentz and mm. Wentz and Frank right there. There are some underwhelming receivers. Um, mm. I mean, Pittman last year, I know is a rookie year, but I think yeah, he's, he's not expect, showing what he needs to, does he? Expect a bit more from him. Paris Campbell's had his injury issues and yep. that's always yeah. going to weigh its head, isn't it? And then T.Y. Hilton's just on the, on the downturn, certainly. Mm. As I said, the, the Hawks themselves were not, they were much more incisive. That's what got them the win. They held the ball for 10 less minutes than the Colts did and put up five less first downs, but still put up more yards. And that's kind of the story of the game. It was just the Colts sluggishly go along. Defense stops them. Hawks get the ball and ran, run up the field. Russell Wilson had four touchdowns, one of which was an absolutely amazing, huge bomb thrown to Tyler Lockett, which he'd taken straight after a sack. It was second and 20 and Wilson and our new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, just thought, you know what, let's just chuck it. Lock it absolutely yards and yards away from the secondary, mm. catches it, stumbles, gets in uh, into the end zone. And Lockett's other touchdown was a, an amazing adjustment. If you've not seen the catch, definitely try and look it up on YouTube or something. The ball is comes it comes over his right shoulder when he's looking left. He's kind of nearly horizontal. It's uh, you know like an over-the-shoulder baseball catch. Absolutely crazy. And really, the Seahawks' D-line putting together probably one of their best game in about three years, constantly getting in Wentz's face. They had three sacks, and then there was another sack on a two-point conversion, which apparently, if you get a sack on a two-point conversion, it doesn't count as a sack. It doesn't count towards your stats. Mm. A little bit weird, that. Not sure why. Yeah, a bit unfair, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. But I mean, the Colts' D-line, in fairness, had three sacks of their own, but the difference was... The Hawks' sacks were all at key times and key positions. It was down uh, the Colts' end of the field on third downs, that sort of stuff. Uh, when the Colts got a sack, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson literally shook it off and threw a 69-yard touchdown. So <laughs> um, overall, the Seahawks quite quite run heavy, 
which, you know, people were asking Russ to cook. He definitely cooked when he had the chance. 18 or 23, 254 yards. Uh, the, the Colts had taken the lead early, but as soon as the Seahawks got the lead, it did not look like the Colts were going to win this game whatsoever. They really need to work out what their identity is. Uh, the, Jonathan Taylor wasn't really pounding the ball. He was 17 attempts, 56 yards. Uh, you can't dink and dunk your way down the field in today's NFL, I'm afraid, because you know the other offense is just going to be tearing it up. Yeah. Any, any of you guys catch the catch any highlights from this? Yeah, uh, watched a bit of the game on Red Zone. I had a keen eye on Jonathan Taylor because of obviously fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, underwhelming in the running game, but then again, you know he's he's, he's a good pass catcher, um, which he wasn't actually very good at in college. So it's uh, <laughs> come as a good surprise that he's uh, obviously you know got that in his repertoire. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess good connection there with Zach Pascal, Tyler Lockett. I think Alex talked about it last week. I don't know. I just remember Alex talking about him being underrated, and yeah, that's, I think that's fair to say, Alex. You know, you're spot on there. From uh, I think many people agree with Lockett. Just one of those guys where each season he just doesn't get talked about enough as one of those uh, top wide receivers. I mean, he's even overshadowed by DK Metcalf. Yeah. Where to be honest with you. Uh, the two, I, I actually do prefer Lockett. Oh, he's a much more complete receiver, and he can he can stretch the field just as much as DK can. So it's yeah. it's quite interesting. Alex, you scared of the Seahawks? Yeah. Um, I th- I think more dynamic. You know, with the new offensive coordinator, and I'm definitely. I, I, I was quite excited to see how that would work out. You know, incorporating the run game, and I, I think I think it was quite nice how you did that in the first game. You mentioned the D line. That's, that's the best I've seen your D-line play, to be honest. Um, I think it is, Seahawks, me. Seahawks aren't known for their defensive line. You guys have got great linebackers, you know, Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams, if you class him as a linebacker most of the time. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but no, your, your guys' D-line was... I, I think you guys played really well. Tyler Lockett, seem underrated, is his ability to work on the outside and in slot. I just don't think yeah. DK Metcalf can do that. I'm not saying DK Metcalf's not a brilliant receiver. He's, he's outstanding, though outside on those post routes or go routes but i like tyler lockett's you know you even saw you even saw the um sort of how he had to adapt to catch the ball so i see yeah. also got a great passing offense to say the least and i think you guys your defense has improved so it's quite interesting if you'll sustain that new dynamic well fingers crossed i mean we we Get a bit of injury news. Rashad Penny's going to be out for a few weeks, which is pretty standard for the first week. Yeah, really it a shame. Make, it's a shame. A no, I, I really like Penny, but yeah, again, yeah. It's, it's not going well for him. How, how did he find Gerald Everett? I mean, he caught the ball and, yeah. you know, again, didn't get injured. So that's better than most tight ends we've had. Him and Will Disley, I think that's going to be a really good... If you've not seen Will Disley's uh, fend-off, absolutely brilliant. Takes the ball in one hand, just chucks a receiver to the ground with the other one uh, yeah. a defender to the ground it's so so good mm. Walt Disney must be the happiest name in the NFL <laughs> yeah. just reminds you of Walt Disney doesn't it it does it really yeah. does the happy, and the happiest place on earth Lumenfield yeah. it's all good Alex your first in-depth game Bengals Vikings they served up a treat for you didn't they yeah abs- oh, absolutely in this game to be honest um, I watched this game in full so four weren't enough to decide this one um came away with, you know, a 27-24 win over the Vikings. Um, the Bengals were winning 21-7 to when Zach Taylor made the controversial decision, to say the least, to 
go for it on fourth down on his own 30. And they didn't get the Vikings got an easy touchdown and went for a 17-3 to run to finish regulation after that play. Um, Burrow, in my opinion, had a slow start, but finished 20-27 for 200 yards. And he took a in the fourth quarter and was leaping from when I watched the game. So they abandoned the pass, which caused the offense to really come to a halt. Um, too conservative. And over time, if I'm being honest, um, and that's just not my opinion. I've spoke to some Bengals fan, Bengals fan think the same, and I'm glad that Jamal let those people know that day. <laughs> I, I yeah. think he went for over 100 yards that game. We, we all know he was a big college. I did know he opted out in um, the recent year, but we all knew he was a very good receiver coming in. Um, the Vikings um, had a lot line penalties so that really hurt um, I think Dalvin of that offence you know making very crucial receptions especially in the second quarter to move the offence um, Bengals defensive guys are like you know Hilton a woozy not a fan of Eli Apple though at all that game thought mm-hmm. he didn't play well at all um, he didn't help the Vikings uh, with um, you know Dalvin I'm pretty sure if anyone wants to know the ins and outs, of, like you can check out the officiating podcast, yeah. which uh, might be out you soon. Certainly can. Nice plug, Alex. You're a pro. See, boom, damn. But I'm, I'm glad. The way I'm going to take from this game is I'm glad Mix Joe Mixon played well. Uh, he went for 127 yards that game, rushing. Um, great running back. You know, he was a thousand yard leader at some point. It's just a shame that you know, like injuries caught up with him. And Kirk going 36 for 49 for 351. No turnovers. It's good stats, really. With that. So, yeah, interesting game to say the least. Not kick and a lovely overtime game. I mean, there's one stat that Kirk Cousins, you know, failed to get in again. He didn't win the game. He puts up these lovely stats. He doesn't win the game. It's so annoying. He did make a comeback, though, of sorts. I mean, they were, they were, oh, yeah. They, they were pretty much. You know, in a situation where they looked like they were going to lose in regular time, so obviously having that, but they're, yeah, they they're going to go away disappointed, especially with the cook. Um, just back and forth, wasn't it? Just one point to the other. It was, it was it really great was. watching on red zone. It was, it was really enjoyable. I mean, another game that I'm assuming was really back and forth on lots of amazing offense. So Panthers versus Jets. Did, did this oh. one blow you away? Well. Yeah, to another dimension, to be honest. It was terrible. But, yeah, um, it did seem a bit struggling. Yeah, so obviously Jets, Panthers, Wilson uh, versus Sam Donald. Sam Donald obviously making his short return, um, you know, uh, against the Jets. Although the game was in Carolina, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so <laughs> in, terms of the, in terms of the first quarter... Um, Zach Wilson, first drive, is utilising the running game. Once again, the offensive line, two penalties in that drive. Um, and, yeah, the first drive, what happens? He gets sacked by Brian Burns. Uh, welcome to the NFL, Zach Wilson. Um, the Panthers utilise the running game. You know, C-Mac, uh, I think he had the first four touches in the game uh, on Panthers offence. Uh, and then after that, when Donald just looked for DJ Moore, uh you can find him. So literally the, the ball was back with the Jets. Um, now Wilson obviously struggled with 
you know, obviously connecting to his passes. But there was one play that I enjoyed where he skipped past uh, the defender, avoiding the sack, and he threw on the run, which is something that he did a lot at BYU. Uh, I think he was trying to find Elijah Moore this time, but there was a couple yeah. of occasions where he did that. Um, I just love the guts of him trying to do that. Um, unfortunately, not obviously connecting. Um, the Jets, unfortunately, lost Braden Mann, uh, the punter to injury. But um, Amendola, not the Amendola that uh, Alex knows and loves, or any Lions fans out there. But uh, Amendola, uh, who's actually a kicker, was um, punting duties, and he did a fantastic job throughout the game. I mean, um, the Jets have actually signed Thomas Morstead now, but to be honest, I think it's doing Amendola a bit of a disservice. I think he could have done a really good job um, having the job, um, you know, whilst man is injured. Um, Wilson was put under a lot of pressure in this game. Um, a lot of people will look at Zach Wilson and be like, oh, you know, the rookie, you know, didn't have the, the, the greatest of games. But in the first half in particular, it was pretty much every snap of the ball that the Carolina Panthers defense were just putting so much pressure on Zach Wilson. And I think he was sacked like five times in the game. Um, so I do feel sorry for Zach Wilson. Mine is going to give him a lot of trouble. Uh, I, I personally don't see Zach Wilson make, making up the whole season, to be honest, if it goes at this rate. Oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm honestly concerned about him. Uh, kind of in the ilk of what Joe Burrow had to endure in his. Mm rookie season um but we'll have to wait and see what happens in terms of uh the panthers obviously in the second quarter the game got going a bit more um in the red zone um donald found dj Moore, and then the panthers tried to go for on fourth and one but they fumbled and the jets defense recovered um wilson made his first big play to Corey davis now that's one thing that you do have to look at as a positive from the Jets' perspective, him and Corey Davis seem to have a really good connection. Um, some really good passes out there. 35-yard pass um, to Corey Davis. Um, unfortunately, after that pass, he was then picked by Shaq Thompson. And Shaq Thompson, to his credit, had a really, really good game. Uh, if you look at not even the stat line, but just he was such a difference maker. He had one interception in the game. Could have had two, to be honest. Um and he got a sack as well. So for him, that was a really, really stellar performance. Not much really else to talk about on offense. Um, Donald uh, found uh, Robbie Anderson for the touchdown. Um, I think I think it was Robbie Anderson anyway, from what I remember. Um, yeah, no, I think it was. I thought yeah. I thought Donald looked all right on offense. I thought he, you know he wasn't amazing, but he looked good. Yeah, I mean, he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't see no. lights or anything. Like, <laughs> ghosts, like it, or... Ghost, <laughs> ghost, that was the one. Yeah, that was it. I was thinking of ghosts, but I said lights for some reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, they went into the they went into halftime 16-0 up. And to be honest, you've got to give Zach Wilson the credit and, and the Jets' defence. I think the Jets' defence in the second half got their act together. Um, there was a big sack there on Donald by Franklin Mayers in the third quarter. Um, and at that point, the Jets had only had 80 yards of offense at that particular Jeez. point. So it was pretty terrible. So if you look at how Zach Wilson's stats ended up, I mean, he ended up with 258 yards and two touchdowns. Just goes to show how much of an improvement they made in the second half. Um, but the offensive line is still something that worries me. Um, I think 
there was a sack in the third quarter, which literally Wilson was running around a bit like Mahomes was in the Super Bowl, and there was no offensive lineman like anywhere near. <laughs> oh, God, and, and and literally could have been three or four players, and and that was the the bit where I was talking about where I don't see Zach Wilson, you know, yeah, lasting, be, lasting the season. Um, but again, I mean, in terms of the game, I mean, Jets protection did get a little bit better in the fourth quarter. Um, he found the touchdown pass to Corey Davis. Um, and they also went in for the two point conversion, which Zach Wilson ran in himself. He had so mm. much free room for that particular uh, two point conversion. That was just before the fourth quarter. Um, Panthers, like you said, Donald doing well um, using DJ Moore and the RPO options. They get the field goal to make it 19 8. You think the game's over. Um, but then, they, you know, the Jets then had a drive on their own seven. Uh, Wilson found Berrios, and then they actually um, had a fourth and eight play. Uh, so it's fourth and eight. Wilson found Berrios again for a huge conversion. And then he found Denzel Mins for a huge red zone play. Uh, it was a really, really nice pass, to be honest. Only for them, Wilson, to get sacked <laughs> straight after that. Um, but they found um, they found their rhythm. And, you know, obviously, again, Wilson found Corey Davis for the touchdown on third and goal. They tried to go for the two-point conversion. wasn't enough. Um, so the game finished 19-14. Uh, but in terms of hot takes, Jets' offensive line is really crap. I need to step up. <laughs> Allowing too many sacks for Zach Wilson. Defense got better as the game went on. Corey Davis and Zach Wilson, amazing uh, connection. From the Panthers' perspective, very, very good defensively. And Christian McCaffrey, uh, coming back from his injury, he looks he looks amazing. He looks like the, the, the number one running back you'd find in fantasy. Um, so for me, very good positive from a Panthers' perspective. But they will be a bit concerned about the second-half performance. I think you need to be beating a team like the Jets by more than five points, in all honesty. Yeah, I'm wondering if they need a little bit of time to gel and get Darnold really and comfortable and, you know, shaking yeah, off but, shaking but off the decent, ghosts. But a decent start. And when you got yeah. C-Mac there, I mean, you could tell that they were trying to do that because they were using C-Mac so much initially. Yeah. Um, but a DJ Moore had a stellar game, 80 yards. Um, Robbie Anderson, just the one catch, but it was a vital catch that got them the touchdown. So um, yeah. I think Den- Denzel Mims catch is that the first time he's been seen since draft day 2020. Pretty much. It's funny <laughs> because the commentators in the game were talking about literally before he made the catch, they were talking about how Denzel Mims doesn't seem to be preferred as they're using uh, Perios uh, who had made back-to-back catches. And literally and then... as soon as that happened, <laughs> the commentators, um, I would say curse, but the opposite happened. Uh, Mims got the catch and they were like, well, here he is. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he does. But I, I, I never really rated Mims as a receiver in college, to be honest. I thought he was a bit overrated. I, I didn't like the way he handles his catches, to be honest. It just seemed like he was going to drop it each time. He just plays with a bit of edge for me. And I just find that really uncomfortable as a quarterback if I was throwing to Denzel Mims. Fair enough. Alex, anything you want to say about the your AFC East rivals, the Jets, losing? Um, I'll say about the game, not necessarily about the Jets. And that rules this punt um, on the Jets' 30-yard line. I found that really bizarre, you know, not having that much faith in your kicker. But then we mm. found out they released Ryan. 
Um, so after trading, obviously, for him from the Giants, I believe it was. But I watched that game in full. Uh, my quarterback's a Panthers fan, so I watched it with him. They're really reliant on CMC, like Suck said. I don't think I can add anything else that. But I think Sam Darnold looks a lot more comfortable in that Carolina offense than he did with New York. I think that's all we can ask for Sam Darnold this year, getting out from underneath Adam Gase and the, the New York skyline. Hopefully it gives them a little bit of a boost. I mean, The Panthers and Jets were pretty pretty terrible last year. Two teams that were pretty terrible last year, the Jags and the Texans face off in week one. Jags 21, Texans 37. I mean, big win for the Texans who put, you know, they put paid to all those whispers of the revamped Jacksonville team. It's going to take a little more than a, you know, slapping a new coat of paint and Urban Meyer's smiley, smiley face on to make the Jags a little bit better. And the the Jags D was just completely torched by Tyrod Taylor and Brandon Cooks. And then about 50 different running backs that they have in Houston, I swear they've got more running backs than anybody else in the entire league. I think the main issue for the Jags was that they were they went down early and were forced to chase the game. And in an offense, you know, that's got several new receivers, a rookie quarterback, that's really not what you want to do. And I mean, I think Urban Meyer came out on the first three drives and just passed, 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 ignoring the fact that you've got a thousand yard rusher in James Robinson there. He was really, he was trying to throw the kitchen sink and it just didn't work. It didn't stick. It wasn't really even Trevor Lawrence's fault. Those receivers were dropping balls all over the place in the first half. They just didn't look right. (coughs) And the the Texans, meanwhile, they just simply took everything that the Jags were going to give them. They played good, solid football, the occasional razzle-dazzle thrown in there down the field. And their receivers, it lo- they looked about three feet taller than all the Jags defenders. They just, any jump ball that was up there, the Texans were going to get it. And I'm wondering if that's, you know, a bit of mentality that they've developed over the offseason. Everybody's carried them out. Nobody thinks they're going to do anything. They're really in there fighting. And you could see when uh, Philip Lindsay ran in for a touchdown um, and Mark Ingram ran in for a touchdown, they were, you know, ecstatic. They were really, really playing hard for themselves as a team, which is, you know, really good to see. Mm. In terms of the the rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, 51 pass attempts. It's insane. It's not a balanced offense at all, but like you say, they went down early. He threw three touchdowns, also threw three interceptions two of the interceptions were back to back they were kind of what you'd expect from a rookie quarterback from a team who was forcing him to pass so much like one one of me overthrew a receiver as he was scrambling out to his left then the drive after that he tries to force a pass where it really shouldn't go Hmm. and that was all in the second quarter and that just killed the game off for the Jags they weren't actually that far out that if they'd managed to convert a couple of those drives then they may have been able to pull themselves back in the game, but the second quarter was awful. They were down 20 at halftime. I think this is what we're going to see from the Jags for most of the season. That defense did not look good at all. They like, I mean, you had Tyrod Taylor. He didn't seem to be too, too pressured whatsoever. If they're forced to keep chasing these games and have, you know, stat lines with 51 passes from Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson had five rushing attempts. Five. It's crazy. What, 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 is, what, what are you doing? What's he problem? doing? Yeah, I don't what, understand. Yeah, I didn't get it either because, yeah, five rushes for someone last season who yeah. he was a bell cow. He was a yeah. thousand yard and, rusher, and then you draft someone and he gets injured, and you're still yeah. Uh, I oh, mean, the, Carlos I mean, Hyde had twice as many attempts as James Robinson did. 
Well, I get that you're chasing the game. You want to be explosive, but it doesn't work. You've got to get into a rhythm, especially early on in these games. And this, if any game is a trap game, the Texans in the first week of this season is a trap game, and he fell straight into it. All yeah. credit to the Texans. Like lots have been said about them by you know the press, me. Uh, they they are a complete mess in the front office. But those players, the coaches, they got the boys to play. They played hard. I don't expect them to win too many more. It's really difficult to kind of judge where they are on a scale because they're facing the worst team from last year who doesn't seem to have improved too much. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. I did say underestimate, you know, the Texans at your peril because like, like I said, when you've got so many players, you've got so many points to prove. Very much so. They've just got, yeah, chips on their shoulder. And that's how the Patriots teams were made, weren't they? When the Super Bowl winning teams, they were made of people who, were overlooked by other teams. Um, Bill Belichick saw something in in these players, and not obviously it's a bit of a strong comparison, but I'm just saying that there were no, that players. is one way of what well, is definitely one way of making the making the team go, especially when you're you know completely basically humiliated in the in the press. Everybody writes off the Texans all year oh, long. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they they played sure. they played they played well enough to win this game, and that's all you need to do every week. You play mm. what's in front of you. The Jags weren't great. Texans were better. Yeah, I'm Boom. pleased for Tyrod Taylor as well. I mean, yes. if you look at what happened last he needs year, a break. <laughs> he's he's had so many. Well, not a lung break, but um, <laughs> he's had <laughs> he's had a lot of false dawns, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, I think pretty much any time he's been on hot lost his place in the team. You look at the Chargers, the Browns. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm happy for him that this time, obviously, he's not had the, the worry of hard knocks and he's just been able to play his natural game. And, you know, he, he came up okay. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was yeah, him and uh, Brandon Cooks. And yeah. Cooks I, had I, like 11 receptions for over 100 yards. It was he, he had such a great game. Yeah, I mean, I completely forgot that the Texans had signed Amendola as well. Yes, um, he popped yeah. up. With a lovely yeah. touchdown. I, I thought he'd retired. I was like, oh, here we go. He's back again. Yeah. Alex, you had another game that was, you know, a little bit um not what people probably expected going into it. Falcons versus Eagles. How was that one? Did I have the Falcons versus Eagles? I did. Right. So <laughs> I hope you watched it. <laughs> Doesn't I, matter I, if you did it. I, I totally <laughs> forgot. I was like, Philly versus Eagles, did I watch that? Philly versus Eagles, Falcons versus Eagles, did I watch that? Of course I did. Sorry, I had a moment then. What a game this was. Oh, my days. I was watching this earlier this morning uh, before before university, to be honest. Um, Philly soared over the Falcons in week one. And, you know, it's thanks to big plays from the rookies. Um, 32 um, to six, by the way, the score. Um, the Falcons looked rusty on offense and the defense did not look any better than it did a year ago. Um, the offense didn't score a touchdown in the game or a point after their second possession, you know, whilst the Eagles flew high from touchdowns from Devonta and running back um, Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, Jalen Hurts also threw three touchdown passes um, to lead the Eagles 27 to 35. I think that's a brilliant stat line. Um, Mm. I think all the new Bama quarterbacks played well in week one, to be honest. Um, the Falcons ran it effectively, you know, with Mike Davis, who I quite like, and Corderell Patterson. You know, they rotated carries on the first two drives, but both possessions ended in short field goal attempts. And the Falcons really stalled the rest of the afternoon. I wasn't quite impressed, to be honest. I, I just don't think Atlanta are great in the red zone, nor were they great last year at it. 
But if you look at the players from, an, you know, Atlanta should really be scoring more points like they did mm. last year. It's yeah. not like the Eagles have a great defense, mm-hmm. but the Eagles' defense came to play that game. You know, it baffles me though when you have two tight ends with Pitts and Hurst and a great receiver and Calvin Ridley, and you only score six points. A decent quarterback at the helm with Matt Ryan, who was actually the MVP a couple of years ago. I expected Atlanta's defense to be incompetent, but I didn't expect their <laughs> offense to reciprocate that at all. And I think Atlanta must continue to improve. You know, it was a good mm. game for the Eagles, but you can't really evaluate the Eagles really until you face a proper team. No offense mm. to the Falcons fans. Yeah, that's, no, think, mus- yeah. that's music to my ears, definitely hearing about the Falcons. <laughs> but in all honesty, like with with Matt Ryan, he. I would be worried if I was a Falcons fan because normally you'd get a lot of garbage time points with the Falcons. You see it a lot during the third and fourth quarter, them just picking up points, even if they're really, really behind. And none of that was looking likely. And like you said, against a defense, which really, I mean, there's, there's no one really there who, who kind of stands out. So you've got Brandon Graham, obviously, you know, sort of legendary player there. But at the end of the day, there's. It's it's an average defense, the Eagles, um, and yeah, I think I'd be very worried as a Falcons fan. Um, Pitt started off okay, I thought he had a couple of early catches, and then yeah, like you said, I think that that was reminiscent of the whole team, wasn't it? Just could they just not get open? Were they dropping passes? What ha- what happened? Because you're right, this Falcons offense should be firing on all cylinders. Ridley, Gage, Pitts, that's. Happened was the Eagles played. Um, they played. Um, what they did was, you know, they've got great. Res- they've Atlanta had like some good receivers and good tight ends. And the only way you really stop that is by creating mismatches. So what they did was they matched the tight end with linebackers and defensive backs. So you're matching speed with speed and speed with also. Speed. That's what confused you know Atlanta a little bit because the Eagles didn't start off like that you know as as Suk said um Pitts was absolutely ripping it um I think it was um about 40 yards he had or something like that on a couple of catches and then they actually made some in-game adjustments and you saw that uh you saw that after the first quarter to be honest with you and I I quite like that so whoever's the defensive coordinator for Philly I don't know who you are but you did a good job in that respect so <laughs> you get a thumbs up from me but um, the Falcons' offense really got shut down. It doesn't help that one of their offensive linemen fell on the floor um, on that famous sort of picture that went out all over. Yeah, but you know, you, you the Eagles' defense we all think is average, and it is average. But you have looking at the Falcons' offense objectively, they I don't know whether it's they had a bad game or the Eagles' defense showed up. I I really don't know because. Schematically, either something went really wrong with their new head coach, or the Eagles' defensive coordinator was um, loving life. <laughs> I think yeah, they had you... a game plan for Calvin Ridley, didn't they? And like with Julio now out of the equation, I know. I don't care what you say about Pitts. A tight end is a tight end. At the end of the day, there's there's Kelsey, there's Kittle, there's Waller. Pitts is still, you know, he's got a long way to go before he's looked at that sort of ilk. So having Having just Calvin Ridley really kind of as a concern, it's it's easier for defences to kind of manage that, isn't it? And Gage, a lot was expected from him. He didn't make a catch. Well, I mean, we saw it in uh, Pittsburgh a few years ago when you had Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, 
tearing it up. As soon as you take one of them out, the defenses go, okay, that's fine. I'll focus on the other one. And then suddenly your entire offense gets shut down because you, you're, you've not got that extra guy. You would hope Arthur Smith being an offensive coordinator for the Titans, who were a very capable offense last year, mm. not so much this year, but we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you would hope that, you know, they'd be using the, the schemes and you'd be able to spot it. I mean, if Alex, if you can spot that from a few thousand miles away, Surely they should be able to spot that from, you know, the sidelines, but... Exactly. And I like how you mentioned Arthur Smith, just a really quick point, because, you know, if you if you go back to Tennessee, it was, what was their offense? It was play-action-based, running, mm-hmm. run outside, that develops your passing game. That was actually quite similar to how Atlanta played, you know, in the in the 2017 year, in the 2016 year. You know, that's how they used to play back in, in, back in those years. But I think they did that. I think they tried to do that, which they did, which I mentioned, you know, with um, Cordell Patterson and Mike Davis. It just, it just wasn't enough. It, it just Cordell Patterson. He had like I think he had more than four yards, four yards of carry, but it just wasn't enough to get that passing game open. Because if you don't have that play action game for Atlanta, they don't have the best offensive of lines, right? And if you shot Calvin Ridley, who is there to throw to? Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's just, are you it's really scared of Mike Davis on the play action yet? Maybe maybe later on, but you're not. It's not like you've got Derek Henry and people are stacking the box to stop him. Exactly, it's not like a power back. But I do yeah. really like Mike Davis. If I'm being totally honest with you, I just oh, think I, I think he's a very good. But yeah, exactly. He's not. He's not. Um, he's not a Derek Henry statue yet. We'll give. We'll give him. You know, give him a little, little bit of room. Sit deep. Your next game: Washington Washington Football Team versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers yep. win. How 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 did this one end up being? So it ended up with a Chargers win, which was sort of different from last season, I guess, <laughs> um, in a way. But some of the same problems still arising, to be honest. Um, Chargers are woeful in the red zone, mm. absolutely woeful. Um, uh, and, and if it wasn't for the injury, I mean, I, I don't know how the game would have played out. But obviously, the, the big story coming out from the Washington football team is. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick now expected to be out for a good number of weeks with that hip injury. Um, to be fair, Taylor Heineke, I have a lot of respect for that guy. He gave the books the toughest game in the playoffs last year. And I mean that, you know, you include the Green Saints. Washington was the tough game and that was down to Taylor Heineke and his play. He's good with, with his legs. He, he, can, he finds the right passes, but... This particular game obviously finished 2016 uh, to the Chargers. Um, Chargers started off with a great drive, so I'm criticising obviously the red zone attack, but the first drive was something that you'd want perfect start to the season. Um, Herbert was utilising play action, using his running backs, uh, Roundtree and Eckler. Um, and... I actually put in my notes one thing that cost the Chargers last year was red zone play. So I think I wrote this whilst I was watching the game live. Yeah, thinking, thinking they'd fixed thinking it. They fixed it. <laughs> and, uh, so I had to cross that out afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first drive, uh, Herbert 6-6 six and six with his passing. Um, Eckler rushing touchdown 7-0. Washington with a free and out. Fitzmagic, you know, finding, not finding the magic quite just at that point. Um Washington then regained the ball. Um, Gibson made a huge run, um, a great blocking by the offensive line. However, they couldn't convert in the redstone and had to go with the field goal. Um, Hopkins is someone who's been criticised a lot by the Washington faithful. I think uh, 
I'm pretty sure, was it one of you guys had the Washington football team on in the uh, franchise special? They they, they weren't too yep. keen on Hopkins, were they? So um, it was the lady, wasn't it? Yes, Michelle yeah, was there. Shelly was not impressed with Dustin yeah. Hopkins. Um, I had to bleep a few of those. That was good fun. <laughs> yeah, it was great fun. I remember that. And uh, he actually got the field goal there. Um, so that, that made it 7-3. Um, once again, the second quarter, um, there was a big pass interference call. Um, Asante Samuel on Diami Brown, so two rookies there. Um, Washington um, ended up recovering a fumble. Um, and there was a field goal. That's what I've put on the notes here. I do not remember <laughs> what happened there. I'm sure this was an incident that was looked back on the officiating podcast, if I remember correctly, but I just can't for the last uh, Okay, yes. So there's a, there was a definite Chargers fumble into the end zone, which was a very odd call. It was something we don't see very often. Yeah. So th- th- this put the game at 7-6. Um, the Chargers then have the ball uh, third and free. Herbert finds uh, Guyton, great catch, giving them the first down. Uh, reason I just put that in there is because Guyton is someone I, I really enjoyed watching last season as well as an undrafted player. Um, the Chargers continue with the red zone problems, uh, couldn't convert and had to go for the field goal. Uh, that made the game 10-6. Um, and then unfortunately Fitzmagic then gets um, bulldozed by Owusu. Um, that resulted in Taylor Heineke coming into the game. Um, Chargers have the ball. Um, Herbert is utilising Josh Palmer, uh, the rookie, for a big play. Chargers end up on the red zone first and goal on the six-yard line. You never guess what happened, guys. Is this the fumble? <laughs> no, it's a field goal. Oh, another one. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a sack as well. Um, so that made it 13-6. Uh, a minute left before the half. Um, there's a roughing uh, the passer call uh, on Heineke, which 20 seconds to go results in um, Hopkins converting a 48-yard field goal. Well done, Hopkins. <laughs> Making it 13-9. Um, the third quarter then, um, Heineke uh, is using his legs and utilising the running game. Terry McLaurin, I put down, made his first catch of the game in the third quarter. Um, but then he had a much better game in the second half of the game, to be honest. He made an amazing catch sitting on his bum. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this one. He literally gets tripped over. So it was a flag on the play, but he literally still catches it. He just bends his body in the weirdest way oh, nice. for the catch. Um, that After that, straight away resulted in Taylor Heineke finding Logan Thomas for the touchdown. Makes the game 16-13. Chargers then with the drive. Eckler gets them to the 20-yard line. They're in the red zone, the Chargers. Happy days. Happy days for the Chargers. First and goal. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where the, uh, the fumble issue happened, actually. So this is where Herbert looks as if he's throwing the ball away. Or throwing the ball, should I say. Uh, it's ruled a fumble and the ball goes out, which results in a touchback. More red zone issues in capital letters <laughs> I've put on here. That results in a momentum shift. Washington have the drive. Um, Derwin, James and Gibson are going at it with each other. Um, fourth quarter, 
Dustin Hopkins has the opportunity for a field goal, but this time he misses the 51-yard attempt. To be fair, it's a 51-yard yeah, attempt. You, so you can give him that one. You can forgive him for that. Uh, the Chargers then uh, have a drive third and seven. Herbert finds Keenan Allen. I haven't really talked about Keenan Allen much, to be honest, but he had a he had a decent game. He, he's definitely their go-to guy when it comes to third down plays. Goes without saying. Um, however, Allen did fumble the ball at one point, but he somehow recovers. And I don't know if you guys see the re- seen this bit, but there was literally four Washington defenders around him. So I don't know how he managed to recover with those four Washington players because Washington defense is a scary unit. He just um, wanted it that much, so he wanted it that much. Yeah, exactly. And then um, I think Herbert gets picked in the red zone. Uh, <laughs> you love that word today. <laughs> red, zone. Red, zone. red zone. Herbert gets picked. Bless him. This could have been a blowout, really, then, couldn't it? Yeah, unfortunately, though, literally the next play, um, Washington fumble, Antonio Gibson, (laughs) and Sante Samuel made the big play, Gibson fumbles. The Chargers eventually make the play, third and goal, Mike Williams touchdown, 2016. Uh, To be honest with you, the Mike Williams one just seemed a bit of a fluke to me. Like, was literally... Herbert was looking in one direction and he just passed it the other way. So I think that's his go-to now is look the other way and you might get lucky and trick the defense. <laughs> in all honesty, like Washington's defense is really good. Um, I, I, I felt they probably deserved maybe a bit more, especially with the injury to the quarterback, you know, Heineke having to come in. The Chargers continue to have uh, problems in the red zone. Keenan Lennon is a clutch receiver though. Absolutely amazing receiver. Um, and I think I think from a Washington standpoint, I think they'll be okay. I think the secondary is improved as well. To be honest, and it's hard to judge that when you've got a team that can't convert in the red zone to know whether the secondary has improved or not. But from what I saw, I felt they that they were a much improved unit in that sense. So I think Washington will be okay. Um, you know, given the division they're in, the Chargers they'll win a few. They'll lose. It's, as is the Chargers way. As is the Chargers, but I, I don't put the blame on Herbert. It's like mm. I just think I think Herbert's just better off being in the in the uh throwing seventy five yard dimes and getting the touchdown rather than being in the red zone. <laughs> Could I add something about that game? No. No, you Damn can't it. go on. It's fine. <laughs> I've, I've got my hand yeah. up. I don't know why I've got my hand up. <laughs> yeah, I can't see you. My... Um Rashawn Slater. A round of applause. What a game. He yeah. he held off Chase Young amazingly. I thought he had a great game, you know, run blocking, pass blocking. What a pick he's turned out to be if he's if he if he carries on like that. That's, 100%. <laughs> no, 100%. That's, that's, that's really what the Chargers needed. They needed to shore up that offensive line a little bit and you know I'll stay away from the red zone apparently. <laughs> uh, okay, it's ridiculous the amount of times it happened like I literally yeah. just couldn't hopefully they've used up all that we know the Chargers have a lot of bad luck so hopefully they've used it all up in this game and they can get on and you know destroy the rest of the league oh, take the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs down not putting any money on that whatsoever no uh, okay I had Titans versus Cardinals Cardinals 38 Titans 13 sounds like a complete blowout doesn't it 
it, it was in some respects, but probably not in every way that you think, especially if you were like me watching on Red Zone and then, you know, every five minutes the Cardinals pop up and Kyler Murray's thrown another touchdown. You're thinking, oh, they're absolutely demolishing the Titans. They were, but not really from their offense. It was a lot more about the Cardinals offense being able to play what was in front of them, the Titans defense being as bad as it was last year, and the Cardinals defense stepping up and absolutely dominating this game they shut down the titans offense which as we said was very efficient heavy play action last year cardinals came in completely nullified derrick henry which is not an easy thing to do whatsoever big shout as everybody has probably done this week already to chandler jones five sack game forcing two fumbles so good luck if your fantasy opponent had him as an idp player this week and it really set the stall out. So one of those fumbles was quite early on. And it was it was from there that the, the Cardinals just took over the game. The Titans couldn't get anything going whenever they tried. The defense was, you know, either in the face of Ryan Tannehill or just stuffing Derek Henry back. At one point, I think he had eight attempts for nine yards, which is not a Derek Henry mm. stat line at all, is it? He He did come into the game a little bit more a little bit later on. But by that point, it, it was just too late. Um, They'd given the Cardinals too much. Yeah, I, I wish I recorded um, Kieran's reaction to watching Derrick Henry try and run because he was like, "What? What? What?" Like literally, just gave me this. <laughs> he just he can't just, get it. He just gave me this look, and he literally was like slapping his legs because you could tell he had him in fantasy and what uh, his fantasy, yeah. and he was just like, "That's not Derrick Henry. He's just gone rubbish now." And <laughs> I mean that does that does happen, but this was much more about the Cardinals uh, D line. You've got JJ Watt on there. Chandler Jones was in there, and it, they they set out to neutralize Derek Henry, stop that play action game we were talking about before, and it worked. I mean Tannehill was he was making a, some good passes, but you know Julio Jones started off very slowly, quite a few drops. He got back into the game a little bit later on. Tannehill to AJ Brown is still a great connection. Um, and they probably should have had a few more points. They had some kicker issues. So Mike Badgley, who they'd signed and have now waived, uh, missed a field goal, missed an extra point when they finally got in the end zone as well. Mm. The Cardinals offense had a lot of short fields to play with, and they just completely took advantage of this. So there was a lovely toe tap touchdown for DeAndre Hopkins in the back of the end zone to score first for the Cardinals. There was one at the sideline later on yeah. towards the end of the game for Christian Kirk. Great play. Can't fault them there. Can't fault Kyler. We know he can sling it. He took advantage of you know a terrible Titan secondary. I would be very worried for the Titans still about that. He connected with Christian Kirk on a long bomb touchdown, and there was nobody within yeah. 10 yards of Christian Kirk. It's like, well, what are you even doing, guys? But watching the game through, watching not just those highlights, the Cardinals did rely a little bit too much on Murray making some astonishing plays. He was scr- He can do it. We know he can, and that's great but you know it doesn't last for a full season. You can't mm. you can't sustain a, an entire offense on Murray scrambling around and making a crazy play. He had one that uh, he had a pass intercepted by Kevin Byard. A few of the plays, they got a little bit lucky. There were so many penalties in this game. I think, I feel like the Cardinals and the Titans, we talked about this last year, they had so many penalties between them and the Cardinals oh, yeah. were just shooting themselves in the foot constantly over and over and over again. Titans were doing it too. Um, so they were they were converting on these long third downs, you know, either through a big Murray pass or a silly penalty call, that sort of thing. Not 
Cardinals good. Yeah, better than I thought they would be. Defense stepped up. If they can do that every week, then they're going to be a real threat. I Uh, just want to see them do it for the next couple of weeks before I really start to believe in the Cardinals. uh, Definitely a big statement game, um, especially for Kyler Murray. Obviously, a lot of people expecting him to have a sort of a, I wouldn't say breakout, but just, you know, like a, a really solid season where he puts himself under that, you know, yeah, he had the injury halfway through yeah. last year, didn't he? Which kind of like took him out of it. He, he started off like he started last season, which is yeah. scary. But the receiving call for the Cardinals is scary. I mean, you add Christian Kirk now to the mix. Mm-hmm. Like Kirk seems like a completely yeah. different player from what he was last year already. And yeah, you had D Hop, AJ Green, the experience. Uh, yeah. uh, you got Rondell Moore. The Ron- oh, Rondell Moore. Yeah. They they were using him all over the place. Yeah. Jet sweeps, little screens, long bomb touchdowns. He I I would be if you've got a space on your bench in fantasy, maybe just chuck it on Rondell Moore and, and put him in there just to see how he develops over the next few weeks because they really want to use him. Yeah, Alex, should I be scared of these Cardinals? I think, like you said, you got to you got to wait for it to be a couple of weeks. It was a statement game, and if that if they did play that um, and if they maintain that throughout the season, then hell yeah, Seahawks fans should be worried. But, you know, it's 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 one of those things. And I, I suppose you can apply it to every team. You've just got to see how it develops, you know what I mean? But um, I think their defence did look better. You know, Buda Baker, I think, is really great. There was um, yeah. one play where he literally pressed off a six-foot-seven offensive lineman um, off him. And I thought, wow, a five-foot-ten guy doing that to a six-foot-seven guy, absolutely insane. But no, I think the Titans' defence is... Still struggling, you know. They lost Malcolm Butler and Dory Jackson. I think the only bright sort of spark in that defense is Kevin Byard, if I'm being totally honest, because their defensive yeah. line mm. ranks last in the league as well. So it should be interesting because yeah. that that defense can be holding the back because that offense has the capabilities to do so much in the NFL. Julio Jones, mm. Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, Fertzker at tight end, but it's the defense that's getting them. Yeah. Worst defense in playoff history. Um, yep. From last season, which yeah, sounds a bit bizarre because they got to the playoffs, but I guess it's, yeah, I suppose it's the worst the defense best, that's been yeah, in the, the playoffs, the isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of thing. Yeah. It's yeah, Titans fans. I wouldn't be too worried just yet, but if everybody else can figure out, I mean, it's not it's not um, Arthur Smith's. It's Todd Deering's scheme now isn't it but if it it didn't look like it was quite working they tried a couple of weird plays as well which just mm. didn't didn't come off whatsoever well Te- Texans to win the division <laughs> <laughs> oh well I mean the Colts didn't do the check I mean they're winning at the moment you know it's worth a quid <laughs> I'll say that much well uh well Empty out the slate of 6 p.m. games just by touching on the the Bills versus the Steelers. And I mean, I think we were all expecting this to be a, a barn burner like we had on Thursday Night Football. Turned into a massive defensive battle. And anybody who thought that the, the Steelers defense was, you know, going to take a step down from the last couple of years. Think again. TJ Watt is on a rampage to show why he's just had that massive contract. And the, the Bills seem to have the have a bit of a, a going in the first half, but they completely shut out the Bills in the in the second half, I think, and a, a punt block touchdown for the Steelers as well. It... Yeah, Uselis Gilbert, uh, shout out to that boy. Um, Definitely. Yeah. 
the Steelers' offense, the Bills' offense. Again, I don't really know whether it's because it's week one. Or were we seeing, you know, the exactly what we're going to see for the rest of the season here? Bills' offense didn't look quite as uh, greasing the wheels as as they did a few uh, last year. Anyway, Steelers. I mean, I know from a, my fantasy perspective, struggled to get any rushing game going because Najee Harris did absolutely nothing for me, despite being on the field for mm. I think every single snap. Is that yeah. is that something they're going to have to work on, or do you think that they can rely on Big Ben to chuck it to these receivers all all season long? I, th- I think they're going to have to rely on that defense to keep them in games, and then mm. hope Big Ben has a error free game um, at the end of the day. But the Bills' defense is is also a good de- defense. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people underestimate uh, the Bills and their defense. So it'd be interesting um, to see how Big Ben fares. Obviously, like you said, it's week one. You know, it's a bit too early to see. I mean, they've got an interesting game with the Steelers next. They've got the Raiders. I think that's going to be... I think that'll be a very interesting one as well. Yeah. I think that's not a game that I personally could call um, for an it's obvious a game you think they should win if they want to be, you know, division leaders. Yeah. They should be going yeah. in and winning that. But, but we just saw with the Ravens, it's not yeah. so easy. They're going to be growing with confidence. I mean, beating the Bills, who I obviously tipped to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> but you know, the, the the Steelers are going to have to rely on that defense. I mean, it looks like Big Ben obviously was. It was more of a goodwill statement to give him that sort of, you know, contract. Yeah. Uh, he went obviously went on for really less money, which was a, a huge incentive uh, for the Steelers because they could keep hold of players like TJ Watt, TJ which Watt. is which is what Big Ben said. He goes, the reason I signed that deal was so we could get players like TJ Watt on the roster. So um, that that he literally said that a day before he signed the contract, I think. So. <laughs> Interesting uh, how much influence Big Ben may have in that um, in the in the hierarchy there. Well, you never know. Alex, were you happy to see the Bills fall fall to zero and one? Considering, you know what I was, but it was bitters. It was bittersweet. I was taking the mick out of my uh, friend Christopher Locke, saying, "Ha, the Bills, the Bills are zero and one." Whilst I get, whilst we were winning against the Dolphins, um, <laughs> Why incidentally. Would you do that? And then, obviously, we all know how uh, that ended up. I, I, I need a box of tissues in a moment. Oh, oh but uh, now um, the Bills. You know, I, I agree with Sukfe. They, they're really un- their their defense is really underestimated. You know, Tredavious White, Matt Milano, who I think is an underrated linebacker, uh, Micah Hyde at safety. Um, I just think the only thing letting the Bills um, a bit back is their run game. You know, they they did have sparks, but. If you if you think of the Bills, you don't think of them as a reliable running team. They don't have a reliable running game. It's everybody knows it. Yeah, they might have sparks, a little fifty yard runs, but it's not reliable. They can't depend on it. Whereas you look at teams like the Buccaneers, what makes them so good? Suck's gonna love this. <laughs> what what makes them so good is their ability to turn to the run game when needed. You know, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. They have that ability to turn to the run game. It's not even actually about developing the pass game. It's just being able to change your game plan to run in. I don't think the Bills can do that. I think the Bills are too pass heavy. And I think that's what will affect them. But no, they're an amazing mm. team. I don't I don't expect mm. them to go 0 and 17 or anything like mm. that. They'll probably be the top of the top of the um AFC East. Complete random Zach Moss not even dressed up for the game. And, yeah, uh, healthy scratch, that is not good. It's not a good sign, is it? Especially considering, you know, the state of your run game, you'd think you'd at least put him in there just in case. Like, 
Yeah, like out of 50, 52 men, can you fifty three men? Can you not have what? Who was your second running back last year on the team? That's really. Not I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, Singletary was slightly ahead, like very by very small percentages. Yeah. So I think it was like literally four yards or something. They had. Yeah, wasn't wasn't very much of a difference yet. Crazy. I mean, a completely different game to move on to next. The Detroit Lions and the San Francisco 49ers. You talk about <laughs> talk about the Bills Steelers being a defensive battle, low scoring. Lions, Niners. I, I watched it unfold on Red Zone. And the Niners in complete control in the first half, first three quarters, really. And then suddenly they let the Lions come back in. That's not the Niners defense we've come to to think of of the past few years at all, is it? Letting the Lions score that many late on. I think some credit's gotta go to the Lions as well. I think the, the Dan Campbell is not a guy to mess around with and he's not going to take a team that is 38-10 down to just simply lie down and say, you know what, we've lost this game. you got to give you got to give the Lions credit. I think, was it 23 of the last 26 points of the game went to the Lions? Uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Fantastic showing of resilience and, you know, I think some of those characteristics may put the Lions in good stead and they will be competitive. Um, still think they'll be a top five pick, but at the end <laughs> of the day, you gotta you got to look at a lot of positives from their point because a lot of people have the 49ers, you know, being a playoff team. Um, a bit of a, a usual start, wasn't it, for Mr. Jimmy G? Um, yeah. Yeah. So he, he was obviously put out of the game and then Trey Lance got the touchdown pass and you think, oh, well, you know, are we here with, you know, Lance? No, I, I, then, yeah. I, don't, I, th- I think they were doing that just to, you know, maybe just to say, you know, he's here, this is what we can do. Here's, have a little bit of a, have a little bit of a, a taste. taster. Yeah. Exactly. But great stats for Trey Lance. Oh, one yeah. on one, five yards, touchdown. <laughs> touchdown. But <laughs> Jimmy G, I think Jimmy G proved that he's still a, a, a competent, you know, quarterback. Uh, I mean, the... The, the the throw to Debo Samuel, you know, was was delightful, you know. Um Yeah, Debo had a great game, didn't he, as well? Yeah, hundred percent. And obviously the the Niners will have some concerns about the defense, you know, obviously they just got complacent in my opinion, and obviously from a Lions perspective they were just playing to to the end and they could have easily just come back and and leveled things up. It was that that close. It was that close. It was really really was scary. Close. Really scary. But um, nice to know that DeAndre Swift is okay. And you know he's uh, all these random rumors going on on the internet. And he suited up for the game and had a, a decent passing game. Um, maybe not quite so effective in the run game. But when you got Jamal Williams, uh, I think he's, I think he's a number one running back. Jamal Williams. To be honest, I think because a lot of teams will take Jamal Williams any day of the week and. And you got Swift there as a pass catching running back. Um, TJ Hawkinson showed signs of being a player who's developed immensely for me. Uh, yeah, eight Jared, for ninety sevens. That's yeah. a good stat line for Hawkinson. Yeah, Jared Goff um, threw the ball fifty-seven times. I mean, Jeez. that's a lot. But then I guess when you're chasing the game, you kind of have to do that, don't you? Yeah, they and they were chasing it late, so they were definitely flinging it up and down the field towards the yeah. late. Conversely, I mean, you had Jimmy Garoppolo, as what we always say, threw the ball 25 times, well, 25 attempts. That's what you want Jimmy Garoppolo to have, 25 attempts. You don't want him with 50 attempts, that sort of thing. Yeah, want, 100%. Uh, I think the, the 
the worst news really for the 49ers. Raheem Mostert looks like he's mm. going to be done for the season now. Yeah. Which and, is massive. And then we're talking about suiting up Trey Sermon. A lot, a lot of people picking him in their fantasy teams. And <laughs> another guy not suited up. And But then again, the, the Niners always seem to find obscure running backs out yeah. of nowhere. Um, Eli Mitchell it, this time. Eli, Eli Mitchell, exactly. Um, you know, so... Credit to Shanahan, you know, <laughs> I don't know where he gets his running. I'm sure if I put a 49ers uniform on... Uh, <laughs> It'll turn you into a good running back. turn me into a good running back, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, Alex, were you surprised at the way the Lions came back in this one? Happy? Sad? Um, I think I think you've got to be meritoc- meritocratic. You know, you have to you have to take the Lions. Like, they did a good job, you know. I get they don't have talent, you know, they, they have zero receivers, let's face it, and they've just got TJ Hawkinson running backs and a good centre. Um, the nine uh, letting that many points up against um, your defence, with arguably people were predicting the Lions to be over. That's, you know, that is a cause for concern. we got to hope that the one off. And I, I get, you know, the Lions played well, but for a team to be scoring that many points, yeah, might be a little bit different. But you know, all this game, this game and last season has just made me realise that Carl Shanahan is a brilliant coach. He still manages to, you know, create great games. You know, um, create uh, great score lines. You know, still creates good game plans. And I give credit to him that people can do that, especially with the amount of injuries the Niners had last year. Obviously now, especially in their running back room and especially their wide receivers as well. Um, uh, Ayuk, I think, was it Ayuk or was it Samuel? One of those. Um, Samuel. Samuel. As well. Yeah. Ayuk yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, didn't get a catch, which is odd. But yeah, I just think credit to Shanahan, great coach. Mm. Annoyingly so. Uh We'll move on to the latest slate of games now. And where should we go first? Alex, why don't you talk about your beloved Patriots? Oh, I, I wanted to cry, guys. <laughs> no, um, but 17-16 to the Dolphins. You know, both QBs look great. Invasive. He's a playmaker, especially against the edge rush um, when absolutely pounding on him. Um, I didn't know he had it in him, uh, to be honest, in two hours, but I was quite impressed in that aspect. Um, Matt Jones looked great as well. Obviously, you know, too early to assess someone properly, but go Dolphins defence and putting nearly 300 yards with no turnovers on his part was great, if I'm being honest. He looked poised, and I think he beats every rookie quarterback in that aspect. He really looks the part there. And talking about turnovers, New England, you know, three turnovers. One of them, yeah, shouldn't have actually been called a fumble, mm-hmm. but fans shouldn't do moral victories at all. The Patriots indisciplined. You know, most of their big players came back because of dumb penalties, and that means pure poor execution. And you know, that's not something Bill Belichick likes. Nor <laughs> what this football team. Like, that's awful no. from the Patriots. I was I was gonna say that is not that's not gonna sit well with Bill all week long, is it? They're gonna be running wind sprints all, all week. Yeah, they'll probably red shirt Ramondre for a month. <laughs> but you know, so hopefully that gets fixed. But let's face it, it probably 
Um, Brian Flores and company worked wonders with Waddle, incorporating him into a nice role, you know, averaging over 15 yards a catch. Although he did drop a pass, but it happens. I love Waddle. That's not to like about him. I remember talking to you guys. I was very high up on him on the draft. Um, he played He played great uh, against New England secondary, but you can tell the New England really missed Stefan. Um, I think my offense needs to gel a bit more. Um, but obviously that comes with time, you know. Because when they actually, they were often on the scripted drives, you know, with run pass op- run pass options, whether it's like peak zone bubble or outside zone backside screens, you know, you get the drift. Um, Patriots tight ends as play the Boston TE uh, party, you know, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith as well. Uh, that is not a thing. Right Please tell me that is not a thing. <laughs> I'm making it a thing, Ryan. I'm making oh, it. Um, no, um, both defenses look good. New. Miami have the better secondary, so no news there. Um, very close game, as always, but both teams can definitely improve. Um, I think it was offenses. Um, four stats, which I think you know were material. I'm reading from the notes here, um, so I got two in sixteen for twenty-seven for two hundred and two yards with ninety. Um, ha ha ha! Two turn the ball over. Uh, Matt Jones going twenty-nine for thirty-nine for two hundred and eighty-one yards. Damian Harris rushing for 100 yards, over four yards a carry. And Devontae Parker averaging 20 yards, a reception going for 81 yards, which I did not expect, to be honest. But, boy, can that guy run a good slant route. Wow. He is a sneaky little threat for the, the um those kind of long balls. Like he, he doesn't catch many, but when he does, he's usually like a good 20-yard 20 20 yard catch, isn't he? Mm. He's benefiting a lot with... Because Parker used to just be the go-to guy. Now that you got Waddle in there, yeah. and you know, there's there's more of that space yeah. there now, isn't there? It's the reverse of what we were saying with Jones and Ridley. You 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 know, people got to think a little bit more about this Miami offense and wait till Will Fuller gets in there next week as well. Yeah. Lovely. Well, my uh, late game was. The Giants and the Broncos. I was really excited to watch this because I wanted to see just how the both teams came out in this season. A, a pretty key season for both teams. It ended up Broncos twenty-seven, Giants thirteen, or we'll call it call it what it actually should have been, which was Broncos twenty-seven, Giants seven. The Giants <laughs> ran the most garbagey of garbage time drives in the fourth quarter. They were completely out of the game, and they were like, "No, we're going to go down the field and score to show we can." And the Broncos were like, yeah, fine, do we want? I really don't care. It was like Daniel Jones ran the ball in with one second left on the clock. Why are you even bothering? You've you've been beaten. Just kneel down, accept he, it. Get he's off got the field. A, he's got a job to play for, hasn't he? He's, uh... <laughs> well, you would think so, but it wasn't. It didn't seem quite seem like that most of the time. <laughs> Uh, it it was a game with you know a game going in with two good defenses Broncos defense Giants defense both quite good Broncos offense really on the day steady Teddy Bridgewater at the helm for the Broncos is looking like a good shout uh, they kind of methodically picked apart the Giants team it's a real balance of the run game Melvin Gordon and uh, Javante Williams and the passing game I didn't think we'd really see that I didn't know if they had that quite of an identity yet. But instead of like the Colts who didn't quite know what we're doing, so we're doing a bit of both, they've seemed to be quite happy and settled as a balanced team. Teddy was, you know, throwing passes when he needed to. He's making big plays when he needed to as well. How many, how many four down plays did they convert? Like, I think it's three of three or something ridiculous like that. Just gutsy play calling. 
he he seemed like a man possessed. Like I know the yeah. stats may not show that, but he did seem like he had some sort of determination. Like no fear again. Yeah, I think I think he does. I think he's come in and you know, there's no questions about is this his team or not. It's his team now. You know, he had completions to nine different receivers by halftime. Loads of pre-snap movement. They were flexing the running backs into the slot. There was play action, adding extra dimensions to the attack. He wasn't afraid to fling it downfield either. Like they, he should have had a long, really long touchdown to KJ Hamler, but Hamler dropped it in the end zone, so that would have added on to the stats yeah. even more. Which you know, a lot of people say about Teddy. You know, his average depth of target, average depth of completion is quite low. He was not afraid to fling it. Right. They they kept drives alive. They had eight drives in the entire game. Held the ball for thirty five minutes. They just controlled the game from one from start to finish. There was a stretch either side of halftime. The Giants didn't run an offensive play for ten minutes, and then when they did get the ball, they just weren't up to the task. They couldn't get mm. the run game going with Saquon. Daniel Jones does not look like he's going to be in the Big Apple for too much longer. Uh, before the final drive, he was 16 of 29 for 200 yards and a touchdown and a fumble, obviously. And it, again, it's like the fumble comes at a key point just after the Broncos extend their lead to 17-7. They drive in to try and keep in the game. Ball comes out on a scramble. It was a pretty big collision, so not completely his fault. But, I mean, you give him props for going down there, but it just all adds to the narrative mm. a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, he has a reputation now for it, even though... Yep. It may have cut down, uh, as Nick pointed out to me um, <laughs> in a previous conversation. The commentators are making note of that. Yeah, that's and, 30 now. That's 30. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a big number in two or so three and a bit years. But no, great, great run by Melvin Gordon. Well, yeah, that, that, that was the thing. Melvin Gordon was he was kept pretty quiet most of the game, and it just yeah. seemed like they were probing. Their running game was probing, waiting for that opening. It came. Holy heck, can he run? fastest running player i think it was 21 miles an hour they clocked him at he was he literally it was like he thought he was tyreek hill he went through through the offensive line and nobody was getting near him uh, again that was that was gained the the only reason they ran that they had the ball back they were on a, a third down had an incompletion penalty against new york the giants just kept shooting themselves in the foot on defense absolutely letting the drive stay alive yeah it's it's good for the Broncos. I know. I think we all kind of hoped and thought they'd be up there with the the talent they've got on that roster. Teddy seems to have fit in nicely. The defense is always going to keep them there. Giants. Uh, it's going to be a big game if they go zero and two, which they have now. I think Greg Rosenthal said it's for the last seven seasons the Giants have been zero and two going into the season, which is just absolutely insane. I think. They have not. The New York Giants have not had a winning record since 2017. I think it says it all. I really think they need to clean house, starting with yeah. Dave Gettleman. To be honest, he's, he's well, the not up to snuff. It's the case when they do have a winning record, they end up winning the Super Bowl against yeah, the Patriots. Yeah, it's really annoying, isn't it? Against the Patriots yeah. as well, Alex. Yeah, annoying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, with New York, I, I I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy. I, I really don't. Um, he's not got it. He's not, and I don't think you have to be a starting quarterback. I really don't. I think you just have to be. I think you have to be cautious with the ball. I think you need to just be accurate, and I think you need to take care of it. Those things Daniel Jones doesn't do. Doesn't do, and there's only so much you can blame on the offensive line. Does affect your throwing. Let's face it, it does when you've got pressure. 
I mean, look at look at Tua. I thought I thought Tua played great that game. You know, it's it, comparing to the pressure the Patriots placed on him, and like in other games as well. But I think Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones's pocket present isn't good at all. I I really don't like it. I was speaking to a Giants fan about it, and there's only so much blame you can put on the offensive line, and especially on Andrew Thomas. I just think, I think. I think you, I think you've gave him enough years now. You've gave him what three years? I think you. I think you. I think you, they should make a decision now. Give him halfway through this season, and then have like sort of an incline. Do you want to draft a quarterback? Are you in the position to draft a good quarterback, or are you actually going to? Daniel Jones. It's going to be a very fun off season for everybody involved with the New York Giants. I think. Another another soft reboot coming not too long after the last one. So we'll head on to Sigdeep. You got to watch the Tony Romo game. Kansas City Chiefs, Cleveland Browns sounded amazing. Wow. How was it? You know what? I was thinking, I've completely forgot that uh, I still hadn't discussed that game. <laughs> I thought we were coming on to the, to the end. Um, wow, Browns, Chiefs, what a game. Um, Oh, so sorry, I'm just exhausted now. 33 29, um, absolutely amazing game. In terms of hot takes, Baker Mayfield, he's, I think, I think he's had done wonders with Stefanski as his head coach, and they can play without Odell Beckham. I mean, they've proved it uh, on yeah. offense. A lot of gutsy play calling here, which I really enjoyed. From a Browns perspective, you know, if you're facing the Kansas City Chiefs, you've got to score a lot of points and it still won't be enough, most likely, you know. Um, so the, the first, obviously, drive, um, lots of usage of the running game with Chubb and Kareem Hunt, two explosive running backs. Austin Hooper, someone who's been overlooked a lot, in my opinion, mm-hmm. as a tight end. Um, obviously, you know, he's first drive. I think he caught the ball three times. Um, including a fourth down play as well. Um, they're getting for the uh, touchdown through Nick Chubb, uh, second and goal. And they go for the two-point conversion, which Kareem Hunt duly um, converted, which made it 8-0. Kansas City Chiefs' first drive. Um, one thing to call, which is a bit of a bonehead move, but Harrison from the Browns, Pushing yeah. the Kansas City uh, coach um, got ejected from the game. Um, Holmes finds Tyree Kill into the red zone. However, I think um, Fooney um, got a holding penalty, so must have learned that from Bill Belichick's offense <laughs> at some point. I don't know. Um, KC settled for the field goal to make it 8 3. Um, Baker Mayfield finds Anthony Schwartz absolutely open, absolutely bursting this guy. Anthony Schwartz looks absolutely amazing. 49 yards, lightning speed. Did anyone see that play with Schwartz? No, but I'm going to add him to my fantasy team right now. Yeah, yeah def- definitely someone who, who looks really good. Uh, second quarter, the Browns in the red zone again. They go for it on fourth and one. Uh, Landry gets in the end zone, but it's called short. But then again, they challenged it. Uh, for the touchdown, which made it 15-3. Now, you know, with this one, I was a bit confused. So, because the officials didn't call it a touchdown, then it couldn't be reviewed, because I was a bit confused as to why it was being challenged. Um, I'm not too... What 
what stage of the game was it in? Still in the first quarter? Se- second quarter. Okay. Um, anyway, they, they, they challenged it and they gave the touchdown. It was 15-3. That seems a bit odd, um, especially because the replay officials should now be in their ear saying, you, we need to take a look at this. Take a look at this, yeah. So, so that I seems odd. That, yeah. yeah, and given the fact that it was given, obviously, you know, uh, well, they, I guess they weren't charged for it then after that. But then um, Browns lose Jedrick Wills to an injury. So that's a, a bit of a blow to them. Uh, the Chiefs drive Mahomes... Um, Goes to his guy, um, Tyree Kill. They had a play-action fake to Kelsey, which made it first and goal. Mahomes takes his own initiative and runs in for the five-yard touchdown run. Incredible play as at one point during that run. So it's a five. It's it's first and goal on the five-yard line. At one point, Mahomes is on the twenty-yard line during this play. Mm, and that is runs, insanity that play and he runs it in for a touchdown it, I was of, so annoyed I was so annoyed he, yeah. was, he's, he has no right to be that fast yeah. and that could have thrown the ball he was in a blink of the eye he was just gone yeah it was kind of reminiscent of what happened in the Super Bowl but in a positive yep. way you know, like he <laughs> yeah. was running all over the place but then he ends up actually converting and getting the touchdown Yeah. Um, the Browns then end up with a drive with an easy um, 18 yard rushing touchdown for Nick Chubb Joel Batonio literally gives that guy so much space. He could have he could have crawled in for that touchdown, to be <laughs> honest. It was so easy for Nick Chubb. Made it 22-10. Um, and then there was an unusual play. I think this might have been discussed on the uh, officiating podcast, but the Chiefs punt results in some confusion yeah. where I think it was Donovan Peoples-Jones grabs it and there's a bit of, it's mine, it's mine. Yeah, Chiefs no, I definitely, I, uh, I definitely learned a lot from this place. So I definitely check yeah. out the officiating podcast because Roger has a great explanation for a rule I did not even know existed. So exactly. Check that one out. So it, I think he's, even some of the players didn't know. You know, yeah. uh, um, people's Jones code did because he straight away was like, "Yeah, you know, I want that. I want that." Yeah, ball. yeah. Um, Baker then makes a big play to David and Joku. So not only Austin Hooper but David and Joku also getting in the action from a tight end perspective. Um, however, the Chiefs made a huge sack, um, and the Browns at one point, just before halftime, were fourth and thirty-one. And for some reason, they decide to go for it, and it almost paid off. Baker literally making that run, and it was, it was kind of reminding. It was kind of a bit like the uh, the Dallas game, well, the Dallas Bucks game, where I just thought, oh, something unusual is going to happen here. But luckily, the Chiefs' defense uh, stopped the. Um, the Baker run going any further. Half time, uh, Mahomes showing no sign of that injury that he had last season, using his legs. Um, nice drive, including a nice run there by Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He found uh, Travis Kelsey with a touchdown, uh, making it 22 17. Uh, the Browns have a drive and Nick Chubb fumbles, uh, which was recovered by the Chiefs. Chiefs only can capitalize with a field goal, reduces the score to 22 20. The fourth quarter, uh, Baker found Njoku for a great pass in the red zone. Uh, Kareem Hunt gets the rushing touchdown to make it 29-20. At that point, you maybe think the game's over and the, you know, the Browns are just going to manage to find a way. Literally, <laughs> the next play, Mahomes makes a Madden-like play um, and just connects to Tyree Kill. Just made John Johnson, the ex-Rams corner, look really, really silly. Yeah. Uh, Made it 29-27. And then, unfortunately, Stuart Love won't be happy with this one, but um, Brown's drive, uh, Scottish Hammer goes... Sorry. The Brown's drive goes free and out. Scottish Hammer then um, 
Obviously, he's looking to punt, drops the ball when going for the punt. And the Chiefs then have it on the 15-yard line with the recovery. Mahomes then finds uh, Kelsey for the touchdown. They don't convert the two-point conversion. And the matchup um, at that point is 33-29. Back and forth with the drives. Chiefs, three minutes, 30 to go. Miles Garrett gets the huge sack. Um, The Browns then start on their own 17-yard line. They convert a vital third and two and gets them into midfield. The Chiefs defence then put pressure on Baker. Baker Mayfield tries to throw the ball out, what looks like, because he knows he's going to get the sack, so he wants to obviously stop the clock. Unfortunately, he can't just throw it high, um, wide enough and uh, Mike Hughes intercepts the ball, ending the game. So Mike Hughes, ex-Vikings first-round pick, um, and that ends the game for them. But Baker Mayfield, for me, um, really impressed with him. Uh, I think he's um, definitely someone who's been overlooked. Um, uh, hot takes Mahomes in September. Uh, I think you guys might have seen some of the stats that were showing up on the internet and on TV, but he's flawless in September. Not hasn't thrown a pick in September. Did come Jeez. close to mind you this this week, but for me, I think both of these teams are solid. Both of them are. Playoff bound, in my opinion. Yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking. Like you say about the uh, Jamie Gillen dropping the ball on the punt, that it just goes to show you need everything to go your way to beat yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry, Stuart. <laughs> it is, it's just one. It's one of those. It's one of those things, isn't it? They are now that that team, the bogey team, where everything has to go right, and you, yeah. I mean, the, the Bucks have done it, but that was <clears> you know mostly by making Patrick Mahomes very, very uncomfortable. Exactly. Uh, talking about uncomfortable quarterbacks, let's quickly touch on the Saints versus the Packers. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers makes up, you know, kicks up a stink all off season, and then comes out and pretty much lays a big goose egg in his first game. The Saints, it seems like from the scoreline, demolished the Packers. How did this one actually yeah. go down? Um, it went. Yeah, it was. Um... It was like the film Face Off is the only way I can describe this game. Okay, I'm wondering how this is, where this is going to go. Go on. So literally, Jameis Winston and Aaron Rodgers clearly swapped faces. And, <laughs> okay. And uh, I thought there was going to be a metaphor, but you're going very literal. <laughs> no, literally they swapped faces, I'm convinced. Uh, is that what LASIK really does? <laughs> Did he get Aaron Rodgers' eyes? Yeah. Think so. Think literally, that's what might have happened. To be fair, though, when you read the stat line, like Winston, like he only had he had five touchdowns, but only 148 passing yards. So. That's insanity. Yeah, it's a flawless game. At the end of the day, he's he's seems to have. It's one game. He's had games like this for the books as well, just yeah. to let people know. Um, so don't take it with a pinch of salt. But wow, what a start for Jameis! I'm happy for him. I, I genuinely am. Uh, like no one wants to see a quarterback who served your team for so many years, you know, be ridiculed and things like that. And you know, I think they had a they've got a good thing going there. The Saints really, really top defense. Zach Bond looks like a, a player. Um, Aaron Rodgers. I just think it's an off day. You know, honestly, I wouldn't read too much into it. A lot of people want to just read into, you know, it's one game. The Saints' defense isn't bad. 
it's just a bad day at the office. It was a completely different setting. The game was in Jacksonville. Yeah, it, it just a lot of things, things were kind of against the Packers in this one, really, weren't yeah, they? They had all uh, the Hurricane Ida stuff, so the Saints yeah. had something extra to play for. You don't need to give them that. Yeah, and I get the Saints are in the same situation, but they still have a home crowd there, whereas, you know, somewhat there was it was still a loud stadium from what I could hear. Yeah, if you, you can't really get much opposite mm-hmm. to Green Bay, Wisconsin than Jacksonville, Florida, can you? <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, I think that was the best atmosphere they've had in Jacksonville in a good while. Oh, poor Jags. Come back to Wembley, Jags. Come on. Yeah, come on. Uh, okay, let's quickly, Rams-Bears, Matthew Stafford throwing bombs all over yeah. the Chicago defense. Yeah. That's if, what I got from this game. If anyone remembers the podcast from last year, you'll even hear Kira talk about this. He was very excited when I showed him footage of Van Jefferson and what he did as a Florida mm-hmm. Gator. And one thing that we thought would happen is the Rams would open up the you know the long pass game um but obviously when you've got Jared Goff throwing the ball it it doesn't quite work out that way and they obviously found the guy in Matthew Stafford now who threw an enormous touchdown pass to uh, Van Jefferson for 60 odd yards um amazing play uh and rightly so Matthew Stafford gets an NFC player of the week um great passing touchdown to Cooper Cup as well it's exciting for the Rams. Uh, they're they're under a new new regime. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very different direction, isn't it? I think with Matt Stafford in there, it really does unlock that those deep passes that Jared Goff just couldn't complete. Yeah, they're not limited in their game, are they? When when you got Matthew Stafford there, Darrell Henderson had a good running game as well. So credit. Yeah, to him. You, you don't need him to be outstanding now, do you? Like previously, you had to have that run game making the difference as well as the the short passing game. But oh, this is not good. This the NFC West all went one and oh, AFC West all went on one and oh, actually. West, I think your division uh, is like oh, really I'm not, scary. I'm not looking forward to this season whatsoever. I mean, is, is there an outside chance that everybody from the NFC West qualifies for the playoffs because you've got three wild card spots now? Is there an outside chance that happens, or can you is it just like mathematically impossible? Do we think? I can't rule it out. You just don't know. Like I'm trying to think. Like if you look at the NFC East being a poor division, the NFC South. I think there's only one team in the South and the East that gets in the playoffs. And the North. If there's only one in the North, yeah, well, it's, actually, it's possible. Actually, actually, the Saints. I mean, the Saints maybe have changed my mind a little bit on it. But yeah, um, if if we go with early season predictions, you got the Bucks. You've got one team from the NFC East. Pick your poison. Maybe Cowboys. Um, then we've got the which division am I missing? North. So the NFC North. You got yeah, the Packers, well, maybe. Pa- well, the Packers. Well, look what they've done. Vikings, <laughs> no good. No. Nope. Lions, no good. Ain't making it. Bears, no. Nope. Bears, no good. Yeah, it's going to be fun. There's four teams going in the NFC West. All right, I'm putting the money on it now. Thanks. Yeah. That's all good. Alex finishes off Monday Night Football. Sounds like an absolute cracker. Raiders versus the Ravens. Yeah, I'm very well, glad that UK, this went this way. Ra- Ravens, yeah. UK Ravens and Raiders fans, I expect, had a lot of coffee in the morning if they stayed in that <laughs> game. The Raiders beat the Ravens 3 to 27 on Monday Night Football, you know. After can, I just say, slow... can I just say, when you say Raiders, Ravens, I, I can't tell the difference. 
Raiders, Raiders, Ravens. The Raiders beat the Ravens 33 27 on Monday Night Football. <laughs> after, after getting up, you know, to a slow start in the first quarters, the Raiders' offense started to find more of a rhythm. You know, the majority of that had to do with Derek Carr, who threw for the third most in a Monday Night Football game ever with, you know, um, 435 wow. yards. Um, That's a lot. That oh co- my God. It is. And it coincided with the fourth quarter of wide receiver Brian Edwards who finished with four catches for 81 yards one of those was a 32 yard pass that everyone originally thought that was the game winning touchdown in overtime it wasn't but the after a fumble by Lamar and a pass to wide open Zay Jones um, I think the Raiders are allowing that many points in the game to Baltimore's offense which has been and I mean depleted by injuries is a good sign you know they're really great receivers Good ones, not great. They don't have any great running backs if you don't count them all with, you know, J.K., Justice and Gus out for the season. But that's football. However, I did Max Cosby putting pressure a lot of the time on Lamar. Mm-hmm. In the end, it was the Raiders offense that still had to come through and they did. Oh, um, oh but Waller, that guy's great, you know, over 100 yards, 10 receptions. You know, he's a guy that when you throw to him, you've got a down and the master of threat in the run game so although he had some pressure by Max as I mentioned he still went for 86 yards rushing gaining nearly a first down in every attempt um, disappointed in Ruggs though Peter's out thought he'd have a better game than still early days but I suppose there's Humphreys on the field as well so going to be interesting yeah, I'm a bit worried about that Ravens defense allowing the Raiders to score 33. Mm. Derek Carr passing, he had 56 pass we, attempts. But... You underestimate Derek Carr. He is not. He is. I, I know very well what Derek Carr can be, but it, with this Raiders team, it, I mean, maybe it is just, you know, with, like you say, with Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro. I just don't expect him to, you know, he's not got a star. He's still not got a wide receiver one. He's got a tight end one. But to go 400 yards without really a recognised wide receiver one, that's very impressive. Mm. When you're in Vegas, you have to take the gamble. Oh, I knew we were going to get a pun today, but I thought we'd avoided it. Helm's on the last one. <laughs> of course we're going to... A punt or a pun, did he say? Uh, no, no, just a pun. We're not in Cambridge or Oxford. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, that Raiders game sounded ridiculous. I... I'm not staying up to watch Monday Night Football. I might stay up to watch Monday Night Football with uh, Eli and Peyton, though, because that sounds like it was hilarious. I didn't catch up too much of that, to be honest. If I'm being it's, I think it sounded like it had a bit of a slow start, but then they had a lot of yeah. a lot of guest people guests in, and you know they were. It's a little more of a, not so much of a a straight back look at the NFL. It's quite a lot of. Uh, good reactions from from the two of them and breaking yeah. things down a little bit more. Mm. Not, not as orthodox as, as you would expect from a, a Monday night football game. Yeah. Perfect. Boys, that was week one in 2021. It was a roller coaster ride. I'm sure we're going to have the same again next week. Did you enjoy week one, Alex? Apart from the I... Patriots. The general was really interesting. Some brilliant matchups like we've talked about and I'm just excited for the next the next week. Well, yeah, week two starts in, well, a few hours probably when you're listening to this. The New York Giants and the Washington football team, that could be a very interesting game for a number of different reasons. So mm. are you looking forward to week two? 
Yeah, hundred percent. Some really interesting games out there. Um, obviously, the books a bit disappointed they're not playing the earlier kickoff. Always prefer to watch the the books early yeah. and then settle down. So nine o'clock against the Falcons. Yeah, it'll be a late one on Sunday night, um, just after midnight. But we've got to do it as a fan, don't we? And then, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting week. I was quite glad I got to see the Seahawks in the early window. That's not happened for five years or something. We actually played a 6 p.m. Yeah. kickoff over there, which is crazy. Yeah, we've got Washington Giants, Steelers, Raiders, Eagles, 49ers. Uh, let's see what else we've got coming up. Colts, Rams, Dolphins, Bills could be quite an interesting one. There's not, not as many tasty matchups as, as last week. Oh, Seahawks, Titans. Mm. We'll definitely see what the Titans are in that game. We say Bucks you would think, going to demolish the Falcons' no suit? No, I'd never put anything in. I'm, you know me, I'm not the most... Um, I'm not, I'm, You're not overconfident. I never get overconfident uh, with when it comes to my sports teams. I'm always a bit more on the, you know, wary side about things. Um, I think we'll win, yeah, no doubt. But, um, I think the Falcons will have a better offensive game than they had this week or last week shall I say yeah do your Patriots going to put away the New York Jets uh, I think so you know um, if Carolina can do it why can't we so, um, <laughs> if that's your motto for the season you might want to look yeah. up a little bit more if we don't I might take a, a week off leave and have some morning to myself so that's <laughs> very yeah, understandable I think we will all good boys thank you so much for joining me listeners thank you so much for joining us as we recap week one make sure to tune into all the other podcasts we've got going on this network if you're into college football we've got the college podcasts with suck deep again and nick and tristan we've got the officiating podcast with myself and our uk resident referee roger goodgroves we'll be back again next week recapping all the fun of week two thank you very much guys pleasure guys thank you